the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Talk 910 KNEW San Francisco, this is Rob Black. Rob talks about your money every weekday, live and local, from 10 to noon. Enjoy the show. Live from the Bay Area, your money, your life. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. It's call-in show. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Don't be shy with phone calls. Whoa. Can you say a whoa for me? Give me a whoa real quick. Top richest American. Bill Gates He comes in at number one. $50 billion net worth. Last year, he lost $7 billion. And yet, he retains his title as America's richest person for the 16th straight year. Undefeated. 16 straight years. Now, shares are down 8% in the past year, but up 65% since the March lows. He's got investments in Microsoft, Four Seasons Hotels, Televisa, AutoNation. Stepped down from day-to-day duties at Microsoft last summer to focus on philanthropy. He penned his first report on the Foundation's projects in January, touted progress made on preventing fatal childhood diseases. He confessed frustration at challenge of creating an affordable, effective AIDS vaccine. Personal contribute contributions he gave three point eight billion last year, up five hundred million from the year before. Warren Buffett's number two on this list. When you go through this list of Forbes four hundred richest people, you see Larry Ellison's number three. You see Christy Walton, Christy Walton, who oddly enough looks like a man. She's from Walmart. You see Jim Walton. He's from Walmart. You see Alice Walton from Walmart. You see Rob uh, Robson Walton from Walmart. What do you what, what's not on this list? Let's keep going. You get Michael Bloomberg. You get Charles Koch. Um, Charles Koch, what did he do? I mean, his brother, David, the lord of the Koch Industries, maker of everything from petroleum to paper towels, fertilizers to fibers. He's worth $16 billion. Um, today, companies has stakes in pipelines, refiners, fertilizer, fibers. He's someone who you don't see on the list every year. His brother, um, Sergey Brin. Who's Sergey Brin? Young dude from Google. One of the co-founders of Google at 36 years old, he's worth $15 billion. Larry Page is worth $15 billion. He's from Google as well. Um, again, who's not on this list? Michael Dell's on it. Steve Ballmer's on it. Uh, George Soros is on it. Donald Bryn is on it. Donald Bryn made his money in real estate. Paul Allen's on it from uh, Microsoft and Vulcan Investings. Abigail Johnson from Fidelity. Hmm. So... There you go. There's one that kind of throws you a little bit by surprise. She's 47 years old. Fidelity is the world's largest uh, mutual fund family. Swelling money market assets offset declines in stock market funds. Assets uh, under management are up 3% to $1.4 trillion since last fall. She runs the personal and workplace investing decisions uh, divisions. Elsewhere on this list, you get Forrest Edward uh, from Mars Candy Bars. Snickers and M&Ms and pedigree, pedigree dog food. You get his wife, Jacqueline Mars. You get another one, not another Mars. Why am I bringing this up? Because a lot of you try to get rich by buying real estate. A lot of you try to get rich by investing in stocks and day trading. No one on this list in the top 400 
did it purely off real estate. Now, real estate developers different than buying real estate. They developed the projects that they sold to you is the idea. You got to look at how you get wealthy or how you want to get wealthy. You don't want to get wealthy too fast. You, you want to do it the right way. You want to accumulate wealth. Every one of them accumulated wealth. Every one of them had a business idea that they stuck with for a long period of time. Get rich quick. Typically what's going to happen is you're going you're gonna to lose everything fast. Speaking of losing everything, and you're saying, that's not transition, Rob. I'm filled with odd transitions. One day I want to win Bay Area Radio Celebrity of the Year, as voted by you. But it won't be because of my good transitions. It'll be because of my odd transitions, because we all like quirky weird. GM is killing the Saturn. Do you remember Saturn? Came out in 1986. The whole idea with the Saturn car was you didn't have to haggle. You didn't have to deal with that pain in the butt experience of a car salesperson. And the car salesperson goes, I'm going to go check with the manager. I'll be right back. The good cop, bad cop. Sales manager comes in and goes, no, sorry, I can't do it. Can't do it. It's the whole good cop, bad I hate buying a car. Buying a car makes me feel dirty. Buying a car makes me feel like I'm going into Circuit City. Dirty. I need a shower after buying a car. So General Motors came up with this concept that, hey, you just walk in and what the price is is what the price is. If you want to add a radio, you'd pay $300 for a radio. If you want to add air conditioning, it's another $200. It's kind of a neat idea. And it worked for a while. About seven years, 1993 was the peak year for Saturn. Well, anyway, where do I go with this? Penske Automotive Group was going to buy Saturn from GM. You know GM's restructuring, bankruptcy issues, right? So GM had hoped the sale would keep the brand alive for the 350 dealerships, 13,000 workers, and the loyal Saturn owners that are out there. I don't know one person who owns a Saturn. That's kind of an odd statement, right? Let's see. It was supposed to be a brand for the future, no haggle price policy, cut out the dicker. Anyway, General Motors is going to shut it down. And why do I bring this up? 350 dealerships, right? Gone. 13,000 workers. Dead. Maybe they're not dead, but out of a job. If you had bought a dealership, see how your life can change? Here you bought a car dealership and you thought you were going to be set for life. You thought you were going to control a certain part of the, the auto market in your neighborhood, in your community. And gone. The tsunami, the, the earthquake that's hitting the Samoas right now. See how quickly your life can change? We live in the Bay Area. We live in earthquake country, and we're all arrogant little pipsqueaks. We forget how quickly things can change and how fast buildings can come down on us. Make sure you get the right amount of insurance. I know you're saying, brilliant, Robert. Brilliant. You just tied Saturn into earthquakes into insurance. That's right. Do you get earthquake insurance if you just bought a house? Nah. You get earthquake insurance if you own the house outright. You insure what you can't afford to lose. When you buy a house, let's say it's a million dollars and you owe a million dollars on it, you can afford to lose that. If you buy a million dollar house and you've paid off a million dollars on it, you can't afford to lose that. That's when you would look at earthquake insurance. I'm not saying get earthquake insurance because it's going to depend on area to area. Where else can I go with this? I've probably beaten the hell out of the topic. But get the right type of insurance. 
Use high deductibles. Never use insurance. Insurance is there for a worst-case scenario. The type of uh, insurance you should use, go to your doctor. Absolutely get a checkup. If you've got dental insurance, absolutely get your teeth cleaned. Which has to be one of the worst jobs on the planet, scraping plaque from people's teeth. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be a toll bridge collector um, than, than scraping plaque. Anyway, get the right type of insurance. So um, when you're between the age of 20 and 60, you want disability insurance. Because between the age and 20 and 60, the most important thing you got is the ability to earn income. Once you're over 60, you don't need disability insurance because you get disabled. Government's going to send you a check and you're going to be on Social Security. You're not going to really be earning a lot of income. And when you're over 60, you die. So from 20 to 60, you don't die. So get the right type of insurance in your life. To me, the most important insurance is disability insurance. Now, when I'm 60, it's going to be something else. But to me, it's disability. So 467 people dead so far. Maybe over 500 now on Indonesia's Sumatra Island. Got a plan for the worst case. ATM fees. Hmm. Listen to this story. First and foremost... Cut the ATM out of your life, ladies and gentlemen, unless you absolutely positively need them. ATMs are there for emergencies. Go to the bank and get your money. Can't find an ATM from your bank nearby? Keep walking. Or you're going to pay higher fees. The annual survey that came out today from Bankrate.com found that the average ATM fee for a non-customer was up 12.6% last year to $2.22. You'll likely get dinged by your own bank. The average fee banks charge customers for using another bank's ATM is a buck thirty-two. So using another ATM outside your network, add it all up, it's now averaging three dollars and fifty-four cents. That's ludicrous. And if you get twenty bucks and you pay three fifty-four, you're insane. You're you're for hundred dollars. You're you're paying three point five percent for the right to get your money, your money. So watch the ATM fees; they add up. Average fee for bounce check, do you know what it is? It's twenty nine dollars and fifty eight cents. In nineteen ninety eight it was twenty one dollars and fifty seven cents. The average charge for the second to fourth overdraft, thirty three dollars and eighty eight cents. Bounce a third check and that goes up to thirty six dollars and nineteen cents. What a racket. What a racket. Anyway, coming up in the second half of this hour, I'm going to be talking mortgages and real estate. So we're going to be talking mortgages and real estate. This segment, I still have some more content to get to. For instance, Jay Leno, he's getting fewer guests. I think this is actually pretty fascinating. ABC and CBS are saying, "Mm, TV stars, we don't really want you going on that Jay Leno show. Because NBC said, we're going to cut the costly drama, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night drama. They cut it. It's gone. And they put in a much cheaper Jay Leno show. So ABC and CBS are saying, stars of TV shows, you're not welcome. You really shouldn't go on his show because he's ruining TV. And despite a new primetime perch on a larger audience, Jay Leno is fishing for guests on a much smaller pool of talent. Now... The boycott is highlighting an unintended consequence. That's what we always have to worry about is unintended consequences. NBC's decision to move the veteran late night comedian. I can't even call Jay Leno a comedian. I think he just sucks. He's a bore. He's just bleh. He's milk toast. Who likes milk toast? Anyway, um, so Leno didn't really have a similar snub 
when he was on at 1130 because ABC and CBS didn't have expensive shows on at 1130. So they were more than glad. So Conan O'Brien, he's getting guests from ABC because he's on at 1130. It's not competing with the 10 o'clock shows that are very expensive. So NBC's decision to shift Leno might have changed the rules of the guest game. Many in Hollywood have been openly rooting for the demise of Leno's show. For instance, writers. There's five fewer hours of television to write for. So the shows like Law & Order Special Victims and ER, they filled that. It was a, at that time slot, the 10 o'clock. Marquee drama is what it's known as. So a lot of people are, are really rooting for him to fail. I don't know. Kind of a law of unintended consequences. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's the Rob Black Show. Don't be shy with the calls. I'm Rob Black. music just works for me. Does that mean I like trendy pop music? Maybe it does. <laughs> not really sure. I missed them. In, uh, they were in show last month and uh, couldn't quite make it out. Too busy. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. A couple things that I want to hit. There's a, a guy that I like enormously. His name's Neil Hennessy. He's in chief investment officer of the Hennessy Funds. He kind of looks like Dr. Phil. Or he kind of looks like Mr. Potato Head, or a combination of the two. He's out there talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which rose 15% in the third quarter. That's the best three-month span in 11 years for the Dow Jones Industrial Average. We were in the go-go 90s back when we had something that crazy. A lot of people call it a classic bear market rally. Hennessy, though, is a little bit more positive. He's much more positive. And he's out of Nevada, by the way. He's one of those Irish guys that I think he's got like 23 babies. Like he can't stop making babies. So clearly he has to work a lot. But he's a mutual fund manager and he's a smart guy. He's a quant guy. What's quant mean? He's a numbers guy. He's looking for improvements in sales. He's looking for improvement in earnings. He's looking for improvements in margins. He doesn't care about the stock. The stock could be a strip club. The stock could be a missile company. The stock can be a grocery store. He's looking for numbers. After he gets the numbers that he likes, he says, oh, I wonder what business they're in. There's different ways to play investing. He says, I think we're starting a 10-year bull market. He thinks the Dow's going to double for sure from current levels. His reasoning? That stocks are the only reasonable money-making investment in this current environment of low interest rates. Why put your money into a 30-year U.S. government bond at 4% and wait 30 years to get your money back? Instead, he says, buy the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The 30 components are yielding 3% dividends. And unlike treasuries, they offer growth opportunities. The treasury bond, backed by the full faith and support of the government, 4%. But the Dow is yielding 3%, so it's close. He's saying go with the Dow. He says, plus with trillions of dollars in cash on the sidelines, waiting to get in the game, the market's headed in one direction up now 
I think that's irresponsible to go, well, he said it, then I'm going to do it. It's a headline. And Neil Hennessy's great at looking for headlines. I remember once watching him on CNBC, and he's a personal friend of mine. I should throw that out there. Um, I remember watch, watching him on CNBC. He goes, Maria Bartiromo goes, where do you see the Dow? And he goes, seven years now. I see it at 24,000. And Maria Bartiromo was just stunned. She's like, what, what, what? And he goes, yeah, that's right. The Dow will double like it does every 7.2 years. Twelve thousand, twenty-four thousand. Now we got this huge bear market that came along. We had this huge credit crisis with you know lending problems and mortgage problems, so it got complicated. But it was fun to watch him stun Maria Bartiromo. In large part, by the way, I find her to be a hag. Um, in large part because it, the shocking number, numbered bleh, the shocking number of it all. Anyway. That's Neil Hennessy. He thinks the Dow's going to double in the next 10 years. Now, on live, I, I do like his argument about the treasuries, though. I do think that makes some sense. And also, what other option do you really have? That's a pretty good good question for you. Where are you going to put your money? Now, there's a new company called OnLive. And I like finding tech stories that change games. I like finding technologies that destroy old technologies. For instance, your set-top box, it's going to go away in the next five years. It will. Now, but that's not what I'm talking about here. On Live, which is a new service that hopes to shake up the video game industry, you're trying to start a, a business model where you stream console-quality games over the Internet, and it's preparing to launch. Now, this week, the company closed a new round of funding by AT&T. Remember earlier in the show when I was talking about companies that can deliver content versus content companies? Which is more important? We, as a nation, we want to consume content. But how we consume it is left up to the industry. Now, AT&T is investing in this because AT&T wants you to, you know, use their high-speed internet services. Quietly started inviting gamers to test out the service. It's a Palo Alto company. OnLive still hasn't exactly said what its subscription-based service is going to launch or how much it's going to cost. This winner is the idea. Now, a lot of the game services, such as Xbox Live out there and Steam and iPhone application store, they typically require consumers to download whole games to their device. If you want a game, you download it to your device, and then you play it. Now, with those services, consumers not only need sufficient space, but they also have to have the processing power to run it. So ultimately, what this company is trying to say is, we can have super bad, wonderful, cool, radical, cutting-edge computers on our end. If you have a good internet connection, you're going to have a better experience. So other online services stream relatively simple games usually built around Adobe's Flash. So this is trying to bridge that gap. Online services will be built around the computer server centers, which do most of the heavy processing on the games. OnLive says the consumers will be able to play them on modestly powered PCs or in their living room TV by an inexpensive set-top box. They think the service is built to be online. Online plans uh, to offer multiplayer games and the ability to watch games that other people are playing. So such features have a lot of appeal to gamers. Hundreds of thousands of them are already testing out the service. So gamers are playing with it. It's funny because more gamers are testing the service than the companies expecting to sign up in the first year of the service. Now, again, think about it this way. I want to play the new NHL video game because the NHL season's kicking off tomorrow, tonight. 
Can't wait to watch the Sharkies. They're on tonight. They're back. Now, this I want to play the new video game, but I don't want to go spend 60 bucks on it. Because in three months from now, I'm going to want to play the new baseball game. And in three months after that, I'm going to want to play the new zombie game. And three months after that, I'm going to want to play the new explore the world and shoot things game. So it can get kind of expensive to, to continually want, 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 want. I sounded like Pac-Man there. Um, anyway, this is a good idea. I mean, would I pay 20 bucks a month and spread my purchases out to 20 bucks a month? That's about four $60 games, right? Right. Would I do that and, and have access to play hundreds and hundreds of the brand new titles? Absolutely. But this is a good concept. Will it work? Don't know yet. They're going to have to show that service is more than just a good idea because it's relying on the internet and congestion on the internet. This is really funny. When I was in second grade, I had a crush on a school nurse. And every day I'd go see the school nurse. And I raised my hand one day and my second grade teacher, Mrs. O'Neill, said, What's wrong with you today, Rob? And I said, my nose is constipated. And I didn't know the difference between the word constipated and congested. So I got sent down to the nurse's office for a constipated nose. And all the kids laughed at me because they thought I was being funny, but I didn't know. Anyway, OnLive is going to have to show that they can get through congested traffic on the Internet. Because you got bad voice over Internet call. Or you have a slow game, not responsive. You get killed because you don't even see the punk shooting at you. Because uh, he's got a faster connection. It's a fascinating technology, but they got a long way to go with it before they sell it. Again, this is just a game, sh- a game changer, maybe. Microsoft has to come out with that Xbox. $600 when it launches. Now it's $300. $600 when it launched, and they were losing money on it. It was a super high-end computer. This could change that. And then suddenly the, game, the companies that develop games, they would have more power, and, and the hardware people would have less power. Because the hardware would be done at data server farms. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know if you like stories like that. I do. I'm always intrigued by where the world's going. I think that's the only thing I'm going to miss when I die, is that I won't see the future. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's the Rob Black Show. 800-345-5639. You're listening to 910 AM. Talk 910.com. It's the Rob Black Show. Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. From time to time, I bring in some of the people who advertise on the show, give them a little bit more exposure. Keep in mind the people who advertise on the show, Geeks on Call, good person, good friend, uh, Bill Rockefeller. If you've got a computer problem, it's a lot cheaper to fix it sometimes than to buy a new one. Not always, but sometimes. If you need to protect your data, it's a lot easier to work on it now than when you have to. Uh, Bay Area Loan Source, uh, Reverse Mortgages. The regular sponsors you hear on the show, they're people I support because I have editorial control. Now, there's some commercials I have no editorial control over. Let me give you an example. There's a, a mortgage lending company that's advertising 3.5% mortgages. Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. What's up with a 3.5% mortgage? It sounds too good to be true. Um, it, it, it If it sounds too good to be true, mostly... Uh, they're they're trying to bait you into at least an application to get you started, get you in the door. Now, I tend to think that mortgages are one of the most important tools in your life. The 401k, wildly important. Max out your 401k. Max out your IRA. Max out your Roth IRA. 
Um, insurance. Make sure you have the right amount of insurance in case the worst case scenario hits you. Uh, health, house, car, those can be expensive scenarios that can hit you. But a mortgage is one of those products, Tony, that I don't think a lot of people know how important it is. And there's a difference between a 5% mortgage and a 6% mortgage. There's a difference between 15 years and 30 years. A 30-year mortgage lets you save more money for your 401k now. Whereas a 15-year lets you pay off a house and have more liability sooner rather than later. A paid-off home to me is a liability because it doesn't keep up with inflation. Yeah, you know, managing your mortgage is, is a topic that people definitely need to talk about more in their household. And you and I talk about this all the time, about how people mismanage it mostly then we talk about people who are managing it correctly. So it's important to really focus on, you know, what your budget is, what your short-term, long-term goals are, and, you know, watch the, watch the markets too. I mean, it's like right now is a great buying opportunity for, when I mean buying opportunity, I mean uh, refinance or, or purchase opportunity because rates are really good. Prices are a little bit down for people refinancing, but those in good positions should really, you know, not be afraid to at least start the process and figure out what they can, they can get. Okay, okay, okay. Um, let's talk about the difference between what's the difference between pre-qualified, pre-approval, and final approval. What's a pre-qualified? Well, pre-qual is, is, is the first stage of the uh, shopping process, you know, finding out how much you can afford, where you sit down and you talk to a loan agent of, you know, whether it's you're at a lender or, a, uh, or at a broker, and, you, you know, you present some income documents, some asset documents, and you look at your credit, and you kind of get an idea of what you're going to qualify for. It's not by any means an approval where you've submitted it to the lender, which which is the pre-approval. And the pre-approval is where you actually take those documents and submit it to a lender where they've actually been verified by an underwriter based on that loan amount and, you know, an average rate at the, uh, you know, the current rate at the time, and you get an approval with some conditions. And that's really a great stage to get to, especially when you're buying a house, because it can, you can look at that approval in any of those conditions and see what is, what's affecting your ability to buy the house, if any. And if not, that you you can move forward to the next stage, and that's actually shopping for a, a property. But the difference between a pre-approval and a final approval is honestly about eight hundred pages of of documents to sign. Well, it's not quite eight hundred, but it, it involves making a commitment to submit a loan and get a lender to approve it. I hate. I don't want to say I hate you because that's not a good thing to say to an advertiser. But I hate mortgages. I hate car insurance people or car salesmen. I hate mortgages because it's so much paperwork and it's so intimidating. Um, it's certainly gotten a lot thicker. Wouldn't it be nice if it was like a one sheet? <laughs> it used to be. Did it used to be? Yeah. So that's ridiculous. You got a job here. Sign this deed. <laughs> it's not so bad. Now, um, another thing that people don't realize, biweekly mortgages are bad. Why are biweekly mortgages bad? Um, because it's 13 payments in a year versus 12. It was quite simple. First, you can do it on your own. And two, it costs money to do it. So yeah, we're... Mortgage accelerators. Okay, first of all, let's go to our, our audience right now and say, audience, raise your hand if you've done a biweekly mortgage. If you've raised your hand, you're an idiot. Next question is, raise your hand if you've done a mortgage accelerator. And if you raised your hand once again, you're an idiot. So stop raising your hands. You don't want to do that. Like mortgage accelerators, you know what those are, right, Tony? Yeah, I do. Basically, a company will throw together all your money and and they'll they'll pay your mortgage in a little chunk here, and they'll pay your credit cards in a little chunk here, and they'll do this and do that. And it's all stuff that you could do yourself instead of paying them $4,000 for the software to do. And typically, they'll even throw a loan on top of it, which has cost. Loans aren't free. Yeah, these, these loan accelerators are, are really tricky, and there's, there, there are some, a few people out there that are really, really pushing these accelerators on people who have, um, who have a lot of money because 
what they do is they take the money and they put it into, they, they basically pay your mortgage for 29 mo- days of the month. And then they, they put a mortgage on it for one day of the month. So you're paying less interest for a month. Those are really risky. Uh, they come with, you know, average to high interest. They make you buy the rate down considerably, twenty thirty thousand dollars $30,000. And they, they tote that you can save a ton of money in the long term. When in, in all reality, you could do the same thing with, you know, with like simple managing your mortgage. You know, if you wanted to pay it off early or make extra payments, not recommended, but for most people, but it's something you can do. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, yesterday we got a call from a young lady. She's a lady. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's a lady. Um, and she said, how much home can I afford? Uh, should it be X amount of my mortgage or should my mortgage be, payment be X amount of my salary or should it be how much home can I afford? I make 60000 a year. So in the old days, Tony, you'd take $60,000 a year if that's what you made and you'd do it by two and a half. So you'd say one twenty, about one hundred fifty thousand dollars home. So if you're going to qualify for a standard yeah. thirty year fixed mortgage, it's not that easy. But it's it's ballpark, but not that easy. Everybody should definitely, when they look to how much they can afford, use a thirty year fixed as the standard loan to figure out what your payments are. But there's there's basically two ways to qualify for or see how much you can afford for a home, and that's to uh, you either take your income. And find out what a lender will qualify you on, or two, take your budget, work through your budget, and say I want to spend this much money, and work in reverse into a, a mortgage, into a loan, and see what that, and then add your down payment to that, and that's what you can afford. So, you know, using those two different ways, and you can get an easy comparison. Most people go with the, here's my income, here's my assets, my down payment, what's the max that I can afford, and then they kind of work, you know, down from that. Okay. I mean, you know, there's there's two essentially two programs that that people are going to look at, and that's conventional and then government. And when we when I say government, I'm going to just single out FHA. FHA is a lot more aggressive as far as how much you can afford on your uh, on your income. You can go all the way up to like 53 percent of your your pre tax income. Yeah, I don't. I know you don't. I don't. I know you don't support it, uh, but it's that's one way that you can max out how much you can buy. On a conventional level, it's a, it's quite a bit less, uh, especially if you're going into a conforming jumbo, which is only 45%. And that's your total debt. That's your house payment, your taxes, your insurance, your car payment, your credit card payments, your student loans, and anything else that you have on revolving or installment debt. So when you add that all up, you you can spend up to 53% of your income. Okay, now let's head to break, but when we come back, this is a long break. When we come back, if you have phone calls, if you have questions for Tony, questions for me, mortgage questions, all about the process, the pros, the cons of the process, working with a lender versus working with a banker, 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. school or about being in life where people kind of see you but they don't really know your name tony mendez do you remember how awful high school was 
It was it was unbearable at sometimes. I remember uh, being in PE classes. Um, I was always the last one picked for football because I was small. I was I was tiny. Um, I didn't hit growth spurt until my senior year, and I mean I didn't have a hair on my body. So I was always the last one picked up until twelfth uh, grade, and then became a stud. I became a stud. But um, there was one year I was the last one picked for the football team, and uh, I was I was a fast little, little squirt. I mean I could just pew, straight down the sidelines, and they'd always get pissed because the little runt would run right by them and catch a long deep pass. Anyway, but I hated high school because I remember Steve. I remember his name. He doesn't remember my name. He was a good-looking dude, and he was dating a good-looking girl, and I wanted to kill him um, because he didn't know my name. Anyway, let's go to Tony in Fremont. Tony in Fremont. Hey, guys. I like your shows. It's a very nice show, though. You're very kind. Yeah. I'm buying a house, you know, in Stockton, and I never owned a house for the last 10 years, thank God, but, you know, I'm planning to buying a house. It's not my, you know, primary property. It's going to be my rent. You know, I'm going to rent that property. Is um, a three bedroom, two bath for hundred thousand dollar. And my question is, you know, I have a money I can buy cash. Okay, so you want to buy a house with cash? Yes. Why? Um, then I'm going to rent it. You know, thirty nine dollar income going to come. If I leave the hundred thousand dollar in my bank, it's going to give me only two percent, like two hundred two hundred dollar. Or how about if you put it in a good bond, you're getting six percent. For bond for how oh. long? Depends on how long you want to hold it for. Or how about if you put it in the stock market, you get historical norms of 10% returns? Yeah, I already lost $20,000 already in my stock market. So you're, not good at, so you're not good at picking stocks? No. The That's what it comes down to. Yeah. <laughs> well, how long have you been in the 401k? Um, I say 15 years. And you've lost money in 15 years? Yep. You've done, you've done amazingly bad. You're the worst 401k fund picker I've ever heard of. Yep. If you've lost money in 15 years, when we just went through the 90s, which was glorious to invest in, you've done I something. I make money too, but some reason, you know, last like three years, you know, I said, yeah. okay, you know, put the money in the in stocks, you know, like you know, financial stocks. Yeah. And guess what? You know, I lost most of my my 401k in there. I think you're 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 unfortunate. There's yep. a there's a instead of saying people are ugly now, there's a phrase that you say you're unfortunate looking. When it comes yep. to money, you're unfortunate. Um, I'm not going to call you bad because we live in a politically correct word world, but I wouldn't buy a house with cash. I think that's financially one of the most retarded things that you can do. You're going to retard your financial growth by doing that. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Um, let's go to Adrian in San Leandro. Adrian? Hey, Rob. I wasn't sure if you touched on this subject already, but it was about a recommendation for uh, Petrobras. Yeah. I believe, um, I, you know, I followed your recommendation early July. When I bought Petrobras and it was at like five bucks or six bucks a share, yeah. and I, I I don't really follow the stock pricing, but when I opened up my Yahoo Finance, um, I saw that Petrobras had a headline and the stock price was at eighteen bucks. Yep. But my value actually the in my tra- in my uh, trading account the value of the the number of shares that I actually bought decreased, and it didn't look like I had a huge increase to what. The, the okay, let me you know, let me explain. You bought the wrong one first and foremost. I want you in PBR, which is Petrobras. And thanks oh, for the call, not, not oh, PZE. Okay, yeah, you. thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. Um, yesterday, Petrobras Energy ticker symbol PZE. It's the Argentina arm of the national oil company Petrobras of Brazil. It dominated the action with a whopping 180 percent gain. 
it's highly unusual to see a large cap stock go up 180%. It's very rare. And in fact, it didn't really happen. In large part, Petrobras Energy, it's a result of a merger with its holding company, Petrobras Energy. There's no value being added by the move. It's a huge move, but you've lost some underlying shares. So it's just smokes and mirrors. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Let's get Steve and Pleasant Help. Steve? Yeah, hi. Got a question about mutual funds. Yep. You know, you see the fees that they charge and like there's maintenance fees and 401B fees. And they're all up front. But what are the hidden fees? And how can you actually compare one fund to the other if some of these fees are hidden? Sure. Um, you'd obviously want to compare like funds. And thanks for the call. Like funds meaning large cap with large cap, small cap with small cap, international with international. You're going to want to look at a one-year, three-year, five-year, 10-year performance track record. The performance track record can't lie, and it strips out fees and costs. So it's the real rate of return. You want to look at the alpha and you want to look at the beta. You want to see how a market does in an up market or a fund does in an up market. You want to see how the fund does in a down market. That's how you compare funds. Um, you do it very, very quant um, just by the numbers. But you also put some perspective on it. For instance, a tech fund in an up market, you may have higher expectations in an up market, but you also may have more damage in a down market. 800-345-5639 is 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's not that hard to compare funds. You're, again, this is all published data. You can go and get the track record, and you do want to see a bit of a track record um, so that you can see how they do in good times and bad times. Like, for instance, in the last 10 years, we had 9-11. How did the fund handle 9-11? In the last 10 years, we had a banking crisis. How did the fund handle a banking crisis? Let's pull in Tony Mendez. Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's actually, you're the person I did my loan with. Yep. So, and it was stressful. So, do you include this? Do you include that? Do you take this out? Do you show this? Do you hide this? It's a process. What you go through is stressful. On a daily basis. Did I threaten to kill you during the process? Not me personally. Okay. So You threatened to kill someone, though. <laughs> it's not the first time. <laughs> so, actually, I've actually had a pretty good temper for about 15 years, uh, 10 years now. So, I used to have a bad, bad snap temper, but no, nah, I didn't have a snap temper. Um, I was anxious. I think you were frustrated. There you go. Frustrated. So Especially with other people. Okay, that's fair. And now I'm I'm loving and, and peaceful and forgiving to all people. Eight hundred three four five five six three nine. Let's talk about home buying process. What is the process, Tony? Well, the the home buying process is is you know, quite simple. Um you can first you want to find out how much you can afford. And we we've we've talked about that. FHA or HUD.gov recommends that you find out how much you can afford before you actually meet a lender. I think you should work the other way around. I think you should actually work with a loan officer or a lender uh, before you, you know, figure out how much you can afford. And then you want to you know, provide the, the, the documents to support that, that approval. Yeah. Okay. And you know, that, that's an important stage to get to, especially when going through this process. That's the, the biggest mistake people make is they shop for a home loan. I'm sorry, for a home first, and then they go and they get a, uh, they look for a home loan. I have that happen to me 75% of the time that people call me and say, I found a home, I need to get qualified. And a lot of times they don't, and they've made a mistake by by getting into that, that contract sometimes without having an actual home loan approval. So it's important to start by finding out how much you can afford by working with a lender or a broker, then go out and shop for a home loan. And working with somebody who knows the steps, you know, providing the documents, getting the inspections, getting the appraisal, getting the, you know, the final approval and the conditions satisfied is very important 
and making sure that this closes in a, in a proper time. And a realtor is an, also a big factor. You have to work with a realtor that you, that you feel comfortable with and knows the area that you want to buy in. Don't use someone that's in you know, Union City that's, and you're looking for a house in El Cerrito, for example. Okay, so let's talk about short sales. Let's talk about foreclosures. Um, we keep hearing about the shadow inventory. I heard a statistic, Tony, that banks have so many foreclosed homes that it would take 15 months to sell each and every one of them. Um, well, you know, this is actually some of the good news that's out there is, is our inventory is, is actually shrinking, not at, very quickly, but it is, it is coming down, and that's thanks to you know, existing home sales, especially foreclosures and short sales. Short sales are, are good opportunities for people who have been aggressive on searching for a house, who have some time to uh, put multiple offers in on multiple different properties, because you're not going to get that first offer. It's, it's just unheard of to, to go into a property, offer that right alone amount that that lender is going to accept, and expect a long period of time for this to go through. I've, I work with people who, you know, three, four months without even getting uh, anything back from the, the seller, the seller being the, the lender, and, uh, you know, not putting any offers anywhere else. So be prepared to spend a lot of time uh, and a lot of effort finding that right house. But short sales can give you a good price. Sounds good. And it's also an interesting thing about foreclosures at this point in time, Tony, is if, if you and I were talking five, ten years ago and people were asking about buying a foreclosure, we'd typically go, oh, no, you don't. you got to have the loan fully funded before you walk in the door. You don't get to see the place. But now there's so many foreclosed yeah. properties that there's some good deals out there. Yeah, there's some pretty well-established foreclosure companies, you know, people who have been work, you know, especially realtors who have been working on the for, on only foreclosures that are just raking it in right now. Have you heard yeah. about foreclosure bus tours? I have. So just, As a matter of fact, we we thought about you know, doing that at one point. Who's we? Uh, you know, our firm. Oh, your firm. So be correct, because when you say we, it makes it sound like me. You want to go on a foreclosure tour? If there's booze involved, I'm there. What are those buses called where you can pack everybody in and they sit behind the driver and you can do whatever you want in the back? Is that what you want? I don't know what I want. So, but that sounds good. <laughs> you know what I want? Have you seen the, have you ever watched the San Francisco Giants? Many times. They're our baseball team, right? Absolutely. Um, and have you ever seen the boats that are also buses? So they, they bus people around and they go into the bay and they turn into a boat. I, I've never seen them in the water, but I've seen the boat on the road. They look like armored ducks. They're pretty cool. So I'd like one of those, but I'd also like a machine gun mounted on mine. <laughs> Something wrong with me. The boy is not right. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good guy. I trust him. He'll work hard for you. Better than a bank. He's a lender that you can get to know, and he gets to know you. Anyway, I'm done for today. I'll be back in 22 hours. I hope you wait with bated breath that whole time. What's bated breath all about? Fish hook and worms in your mouth? Yuck. Stay tuned for Glenn Beck. He's coming up in just a couple minutes. So you got to let me know. Should I stay or should I go? It's always taste, taste, taste. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.